Good morning. Our passage this morning is from Malachi chapter 2. So we continue our series in Malachi. We'll be going through the whole chapter. I hope everyone is, has a good day planned ahead as we, as a nation, celebrate an independence and with it a freedom that we can come together and worship in the open. And this is a delight and a blessing that the Lord has provided for us. And so I hope this morning... As we turn to Malachi and we look at what covenant love, that we are able to do so with a blessing and a thankfulness from the Lord. This is Malachi chapter 2. And now, O priest, this command is for you. If you will not listen, if you will not take it to heart to give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send the curse upon you, And I will curse your blessings. Indeed, I have already cursed them because you do not lay it to heart. Behold, I will rebuke your offspring and spread dung on your faces. The dung of your offerings and you shall be taken away with it. So shall you know that I have sent this command to you. That my covenant with Levi may stand, says the Lord of hosts. My covenant with him was one of life and peace. And I gave them to him. I was, it was a covenant of fear, and he feared me. He stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and no wrong was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness, and he turned many from iniquity. For the lips of the priest should guard knowledge, and the people should seek instruction from his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. But you have turned aside from the way. You have caused many to stumble by your instruction. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. And so I make you despised and abased before all the people, inasmuch you do not keep my ways, but show partiality in your instruction. Have we not all one Father? Has not one God created us? Why then are we faithless to one another, profaning the covenant of our fathers? Judah has been faithless and abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves, and has married the daughter of a foreign god. May the Lord cut off from the tents of Jacob any descendant of man who does this, who brings an offering to the Lord of hosts. And the second thing you do, you cover the Lord's altar with tears, with weeping and groaning, because he no longer regards the offering and accepts it with favor from your hand. But you say, why does he not? Because the Lord was witness between you and the wife of your youth, to whom you have been faithless, though she is your companion and your wife by covenant. Did he not make them one with a portion of the Spirit in their union? And what was the one God seeking? Godly offspring. So guard yourselves in your spirit, and let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. For the man who does not love his wife but divorces her, says the Lord God of Israel, covers his garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. So guard yourselves in spirit, and do not be faithless. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, this is your word, and I pray as I preach that I speak any, if I speak anything false or untrue, that it fall upon deaf ears. 
May our hearts be sanctified. May our faith deepen. And Lord, we ask that you may be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. So coming up with an introduction for the sermon was a little difficult. We're going to be talking about the faithfulness of the Lord and the faithfulness that we should have toward one another. And so dwelling on that, I thought of one of my heroes, a man that I greatly admire. Uh, his name is Mike Krzyzewski. He's a coach of Duke basketball, arguably, maybe inarguably, the greatest basketball program. One of the things uh, I love about Coach K, as he's commonly called, is the way that he has faith in his players. And his players play hard because he puts their faith in them, and he tells them to trust one another, to have faith in each other. And he uses an illustration. He says, uh, five fingers working together cannot do much damage. Uh, but when they close to a fist, they're much stronger. Now that I think about it, that's, I mean, that probably isn't the best illustration to use for a Sunday morning service. But it does indicate the strength when a group of people have faith in one another, they become much stronger. It's a major ingredient uh, for Coach K's success is this reliance in one another. Indeed, in God's love for us, he has made us a family. A true family, brothers and sisters in Christ. And as such, we should rely on each other. And I know that can be hard. We're different people. We, we have different things. And it doesn't help that every one of us in this room is a flawed person with our own sins and our own struggles. We don't have to deal with those alone. And we should remind ourselves, even in the midst of our struggles and our sinfulness, God is faithful to his people. And so this is our main point this morning. We need to be faithful to one another as Jesus is faithful to us. Again, I'll say we need to be faithful to one another as Jesus is faithful to us. Now, if we're going to understand this passage, and I realize it is a difficult passage, and this may be the hardest chapter in the book of Malachi, we're going to need to know and understand what a covenant is. Because the Lord's covenant love is central to everything that Malachi is discussing. See, at, a, at its core, a covenant is pretty simple. It's a binding legal agreement between two individuals. And there's rituals that come along and sort of reinforce those agreements. Practices that remind each other that, yes, I am bound to this other person. Indeed, the most common covenant we see nowadays are probably marriages. A husband and wife coming together. Uh, a family, uh, two people that used to be Different families now become one. And we see plenty of covenants in Scripture. David and his best friend Jonathan, they entered into the covenant. And it's an amazing story because Jonathan's the son of Saul, the very rival that is trying to kill David. But David loves his brother, and so they enter into a covenant. 
And long after Jonathan passes away, David reaches out, finds Jonathan's son, and makes sure he has a seat at the table, a place in his court. And so it is through covenant that we see that God relates to his people. Uh, We see it in Noah, in Genesis 9. God makes a covenant with Noah and says, I will never flood the earth again, and now we have rainbows. Like a reminder of God's love for his people. God makes a covenant with Abraham in Genesis 15. He says, On the day the Lord had made a covenant with Abram, saying to you, the offspring I get to your offspring I'll give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river of the river Euphrates. Matter of fact, it's this covenant that we get to sing the song. Father Abraham had many sons. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's all praise the Lord. And then you just raise your right arm. It's through Christ upholding the covenant that we are redeemed. Because God promises Abraham his offsprings are going to receive this great inheritance. And so the Lord fulfills that. So that, yes, the Lord's children outnumber the stars in the sky. Christ lives a perfect life. Fulfills all of the law dies on the cross, resurrects and ascends into heaven because of his covenant love for his people. And the Holy Spirit takes that love and he applies it to our lives. He shows us the goodness of the Lord. He shows us the majesty, the grace, and the mercy. And it's marvelous. So now... Now that we know what a covenant is, we can dive into this passage. We, we, we can see this is what the Lord wants for his people. In Malachi 2.5, he says, So shall you know that I have sent this command to you, that my covenant with Levi may stand, says the Lord of hosts. My covenant with him was one of life and peace. And I gave them to him. It was a covenant of fear, and he feared me. He stood in awe of my name. Now, first off, a couple of things we need to highlight. One, God's covenant with Levi was to be one of life and peace. In other words, God's covenant with his people is to be a life filled with life and peace. The Israelites were to walk in the Lord and the Heavenly Father was going to bless them. That was the plan. And we see it come to fruition in the time of King Solomon, in which the temple is built and is majestic. The Ark of the Covenant is moved in, and the Lord blesses Israel so much that nations from all over are coming in to see this amazing God who has blessed Israel. There's also supposed to be a covenant of fear. And fear being awe, respect, honor, Eventually, this is where Solomon failed. This is where Israel fails. They did not care that even though these other nations were coming in, that these other nations were bringing their other gods, and they're like, that's fine. That's okay. There's no honor and respect toward the Lord. They cheapened the God that they worshipped, and at this point... The Lord is upset because the priests, the very people who were supposed to uphold this covenant, they were just going through the motions. They weren't even doing that. 
And so the Lord rebukes them. Because these men who are supposed to set the guard, they're not worshiping as they should. There's no fear. There's no honor. There's just apathy. And so Malachi starts this oracle. And he says this, If you will not listen, if you will not take to heart to give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I'll send the curse upon you and will curse your blessings. Indeed, I have already cursed them because you do not lay it to heart. Now, it is a good thing to be rebuked. As a matter of fact, we talked about it this Sunday morning in Sunday school with the middle school students. Being rebuked brings us back. It's good to be rebuked when we're walking in a manner displeasing to the Lord because the Lord loves us and we want to come back to the Lord. Now, I know this rebuke gets graphic. I, when I read, I heard gasps in the room when I read verse 3. Now, I'm not going to reread it because, uh, frankly, it's a little unnerving, especially since I grew up in this church but it's gross. But it needs to be addressed because the priests were so lackadaisical. They are so apathetic to this God who has done so much for them that they weren't even cleaning the sacrifices properly. They, they were to remove the offal. They were to take out the entrails to clean the animal. But they weren't. And so we see this strong language. The Lord's like, this is what you give to me, this is what I give to you. He's returning it to them. Take it. God says, take it, I do not want it. See, here's the problem. As I've already hit on, the, the priests are supposed to lead worship. They're to guard it, protect it to fence it, to say this is how we approach God because this is how the Lord said he wants to be worshipped. But they can't be bothered. It's weird. It's, the Lord has declared this is how I should be worshipped. If, if our child says, I want to have a Superman birthday party, Parents go out of their way to make sure that the party is Superman-themed. They'll invite other kids like, hey, wear DC costumes, not Marvel, DC. Nobody else wears Superman because birthday boy is going to be Superman. Get a Superman cake, Superman cape, maybe a bouncy castle, big S on it. We go out of our way. But when God says, I want to be worshipped as such, eh, we can take it or leave it. These priests are two generations removed from exile. Their grandfathers brought back from Babylon. They have built a temple because they didn't build the temple at first. So now they've built the temple so that they may worship. And now that they've got it, everything situated the way the Lord wants it, it's almost as if they're saying, eh, we're done now. As if we could ever not be amazed or stupefied by the 
unending grace and love of our Lord. And I get it. It can be hard. We can find contentment of where we are at in our faith. We get complacent. Almost as if to say, you know what, I'm doing well. Me and Jesus, we're, we're doing okay. Since we're doing all right, I don't, I don't need to focus as much. And that's simply not true. God's love is enduring. It, it, it continues past our sins. God's love enduring. And so our love to him should be steadfast. It should be a primal part of our lives. This is a common theme throughout Malachi. The majesty of the Lord is there for all to see. And how do we... How can we be okay with just... Meh. How can we sit there and say, you know what, I have done enough. This is enough. And God's love shakes all creation. In this passage, it... it it gets worse because priests are in authority. They're the leaders of worship. And as verse 8 tells us, you, that is the priests, have turned aside from the way. You have caused many to stumble by your instruction. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord. So it's not just the priests kind of going through the motion. Like, no, you are costing other people the way. You're supposed to be shepherding others, and they're getting lost because you are getting lost. People watch their leaders. People keep the eyes on those who are supposed to lead. They keep the eyes on those who they follow. And if you're a church officer, I'm going to ask you to keep that in mind. If you're a deacon, you lead the way in service. You lead the way in how we are supposed to love each other, how we serve each other, how we go out of our way to help one another. And that begins with you. you. You set the tone. Elders, your wisdom, your love, the way you approach God is the way the congregation will. And you're called to shepherd. Your spiritual nation is before your spiritual nature is before others, and you're to lead us. And yes, I'm, I'm including myself in that. I mean, if you're serving in ministry, it is a grievous sin to lead people away from Jesus. Indeed, in Malachi two nine, the Lord makes these men despised and abased. The Lord essentially brings them to ruin because they do not keep his ways. And the Lord will protect his sheep. Now, we are not our own. Right? We can't just pick and choose who we get to be. The Lord has called us to follow him. Jesus has said, be holy, for I am holy. The second greatest commandment is to love one another as the Lord has loved us. And we are called to serve. Now, I, I realize I called out the officers, but I need to tell you this, for the rest of the congregation, this is for you as well. This is not just a burden for our elders and our deacons. Indeed, I don't know if it is a burden as it is a call to love. Perhaps burden is the wrong word. 
But we see in Peter, Peter refers to all believers. Every last one that say, you know what, I follow in Jesus. Peter refers to all believers as a royal priesthood. Leaders, servants, those who participate in worship. Under Christ, we are all a part of this priesthood where people in the community know that you're a Christian. People know whether or not you go to church on Sunday. They know whether or not you profess Christ. And as such, you represent our Savior to the community. You represent our Savior to the nations. You represent our Savior to those around you. Because Christ has brought us together. We're all united by Jesus. And as such, we're, we're all priests. We're all ambassadors. We're all an aid to one another. We're all servants to each other. We are to point each other to Jesus, to hold one another accountable, to love each other. We, we should pour out into others, pointing them in the way of the Lord. That's what we're called to do. I mean, how evil would it be if I only taught some of the youth about Jesus and the rest of the youth, I just taught them how to play kickball? We are called to disciple others. And the Lord has put people in our lives and those are the people we're called to disciple. If we're going to be faithful to God who loves us, we must be faithful to the Lord, faithful to those the Lord has put in our lives. Yes, we come to church and hopefully through uh, singing together and worship and giving of offerings and through the preaching and through the sacraments and through prayer that we get poured into. that our love may grow, that our faith may deepen, that we may be char- recharged, and that we can find rest. But we are also called to pour out, to go forth. And we are to be faithful. Faithful to each other and faithful to our community, faithful to the Lord. Because as we have seen, he is faithful to us. Verses 10 and 11, Malachi begins a sermon. He moves on and he is not an oracle from the Lord, but a, a sermon from Malachi. He says this, Have we not all one Father? Has not one God created us? Why then are we faithless to one another, profaning the covenant of our father? Judah has been faithless, and an abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves, and has married the daughter of a foreign god. And this is how Malachi starts his sermon. You can hear the pain in his words. Have we not one father? Are we not all created by God? It's a plea. 
We're brothers and sisters in Christ. Let us be faithful to one another. Instead, he's dealing with the people that are faithless. Profaning this covenant that God has made with his people. And Israel at this point is at a state where they're not just failing the Lord, they're failing each other. This is difficult. We need to be there for one another. This is who we are. This is who Christ has made us to be. We are bound together. And indeed, uh, Malachi uses this great analogy of a marriage. He says in 10 that Judah, that is God's people, married the daughter of a foreign god. He highlights the nation's faithfulness, faithlessness by going after someone else. Not the God that redeemed them, not the one that promised Abraham, I will provide salvation. Not the one who told Adam, not the God who told Adam and Eve, there will be a Savior who crushes his head. No, they seek after other gods. We can't hide our sins. The Lord is powerful. The Lord is majestic. The Lord is greater than creation. There's no place we can go that the Lord is not already there. We can't sneak away and like, I'm going to go sin for a while. The Lord is always with us. He is always with his children. He is by their side. And for some reason, because we are sinners, we do have this tendency to rebel against him. The vows taken, this covenant we have with the Lord, this, this promise that the Lord will love us and show us grace. Now, Malachi is right to use marriage. Marriage is often used in Scripture to demonstrate this love. Hosea, the book of Hosea is centered around marriage. Jesus uses it often. It says that the kingdom of heaven will be like a wedding feast. Paul describes the church as the bride of Christ. So Malachi, Malachi is right and good to use it here. Because in doing so, he's reminding them that throughout Israel's history, the Lord has been faithful to them. Yet, Israel's people struggled to keep their faith with the Lord. Abraham, the man who received the promise of redemption and salvation, he, doesn't, he struggles to keep the faith. He doesn't trust that the Lord will provide him with the Son. So he's faithless, faithless to the Lord, and then he becomes faithless to his wife. King David, a man many uphold because he is the man who sought after the Lord's own heart. And he does. But it's after faithless actions and sin, and he is called before the Lord, and he has to repent. King Solomon, the man who ever saw the height of Jerusalem, the height of of Israel. He followed in his father's footsteps. He, he married women from other nations and he builds temples to other gods. Yet throughout all this, the Lord never abandons his people. 
So Malachi, knowing this faithless history, uh, know that the Lord still loves his people even after a multitude of sins. Knows that they just come back from exile. He is heartbroken and crushed because these priests are apathetic. And here's this call. Here's the command, and here's what we can take home from this morning. Malachi says, guard yourselves. Guard yourselves in your spirit and do not be faithless. Put up those walls. Protect yourselves. Know when you are wandering from the Lord. Listen to your brothers and sisters in Christ who are like, come to you and say, listen. You seem to be wayward. Please return. We are called to be humble. Because if we're going to be faithful to each other, we're going to have to have humility to listen to one another. We're going to have to be vigilant and we're going to have to protect what we consume and what we see so that we may be faithful. So that we may be sure in the Lord that we may walk this narrow path of faith that Christ has put before us. We're called to turn away from sinful things. And this is what Malachi is trying to get the priests to do. Turn away from these terrible offerings. God has been faithful and he will continue to be faithful. But let's honor that faithfulness. Let's rejoice in that faithfulness. Let's worship in that faithfulness. By being faithful to the Lord. By guarding against things that would draw us away. Guard against any desires that put us in opposition to the Lord. Guard against apathy. Apathy for Jesus. Remind ourselves daily, hourly if you need to. Christ gave up everything that we may be saved. And know that we do not go it alone. For Christ is called a body of believers. We have different gifts, we have different talents, and it's all made so that we may love each other, be faithful to each other, and help each other grow in our walk with the Lord. To grow in our love for Jesus. So let us, let us pursue a life of peace in the Lord. And let us be faithful to one another. Let's continue to love each other. Go out of our way for each other. Pour ourselves out into each other. Because that's how the Lord loves his people. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I confess that we are sinners and we are prone to wander. Lord, you come back. To, you hold us to you. I pray that we may come back to you when we do go astray, that we hold each other accountable, that we guard our hearts against sinful desires and things that would pull us away from you. I pray that our faith may deepen and that we may love each other well. In Jesus' name, amen.